The 2020 election was the most secure in U.S. history. There has been no evidence of widespread voter fraud. He lost a fair and secure election. The most secure election in American history. Really? All those of you volunteered and worked the polls, you deserve a special thanks from the entire nation. This one mule made 53 trips to 20 drop boxes. He's not alone. We tracked 2,000 mules making multiple ballot drops. Leaving no fingerprints. Snapping photos to get paid. A coordinated ring of illegal vote harvesting in all the key states where the election was decided. They've delivered us a clear victory. Game over. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you may happen to be around the world today. I hope you all are having a great Monday afternoon, at least better than mine. And uh, <laughs> you guys are ready and a rip roaring as ever for another edition of the Sea Report. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode. If you're joining us across the interwebs, here and there, or wherever you might happen to be, I am your host, as always, Mr. C, joining you tonight for this episode 236th edition of the C Report. And uh, here, let me let me get this a little uh, fixed up for you guys so you're not like, what is he doing over here? We're having a great time here on this Monday evening here at the Sea Report, and we're ready to hand it to you all, ladies and gentlemen, a brand new episode. It is January 31st, 2022. Count it, ladies and gentlemen, month number one, one of 12. We're one twelfth of the way through the course of the brand new year. As we stroll down this ever so uh, uh, elegant timeline that we call uh, whatever timeline it is that we're in right now. I have no specific name for it. But uh, to be sure, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are most happy to be here with you guys tonight. Now, there is just so much news and views and other types of things going on. Like, um, uh, I, I, would, I would dare to say, ladies and gentlemen, that if... I were to speak with any other content creators as, you know, uh, uh, like we do that, right? Um, they would probably be like, damn boy, like there is a lot of stuff going on right now. There's a lot of news to report on. We don't really even know 
what stories we should report on, but rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, I can uh, commit to you guys tonight that the main thrust of tonight's episode is going to be all about election integrity, election fraud, and uh, other things that have to do with that area of uh, expertise. Not my expertise, but the expertise of you, the people out there, and uh, the expertise of all of those representatives, lawyers, citizens who are fighting for election integrity in this country. I mean, it is out there, ladies and gentlemen, without a doubt, happening now as we speak. Uh, Just there's so much going on in that field and department at the moment. It's it, it almost makes one's head spin, ladies and gentlemen. Like if I could do the whole Pazuzu, you know, like uh, spin around, uh, you know, pea soup kind of thing. Maybe I would, but I can't because, you know, I'm not uh, bred from that cloth. And uh, so, well, we'll just have to use our imagination in that manner. But uh, everything's happening so fast right now, I think is what uh, my point is in talking about the uh, Pazuzu pea soup spins. But, uh, you know, it, it's just, it is just, we had this, you know, we've been spoke focusing so much on the goings on of like Ukraine and Russia, which I think is extremely important. And uh, I hope that you all would too. Because that type of an event is touted as a distraction, ladies and gentlemen. It is nothing but a distraction, which is true to an extent. It is very much so a distraction because we could be talking about the uh, the COVID convoy or something to that nature. Uh, but uh, but but I mean I mean. Uh, Literally, ladies and gentlemen, like uh, we're talking about World War Three here was what was sitting at the banks of the Wishka or America or whatever you want to call it. I mean, literally, literally sitting and standing right there is World War Three. I'm going to switch over to this channel here and see what's going on. Um, and I'm also trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Like, uh, it's the end of the month. It's the last day of January, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're joining us live right now, well, you might be having a great time. If you're with us on the podcast, let me tell you about what's going on live. The podcast players, I gotta say, the only thing I think that they could really complain about is the fact that I don't always get there on time. For example, uh, the last episode that we did, uh, when we, the last episode we did on Friday, where we did a hardcore, we were, well, we had a couple of uh, topics for discussion on Friday. Now, most assuredly, we're talking about uh, the voting machines and all that good stuff over there on Friday. But, but you know what? We got totally derailed by Russia. And we got totally derailed by the Ukraine. By Ukraine. It's such a misnomer to say the Ukraine. And I think everyone is already caught up with that. But um, I still say it sometimes. So uh, forgive me. Anyhow, we got so derailed by that situation. We end up spending two hours talking about Ukraine and Russia. And there you go. Russia won again. They totally distracted us from the uh, subject topic at hand. So anyways... 
If you're on a podcast and you're checking us out over at anchor.fm slash the C report or on whatever podcast station that you prefer to listen to us on and you know, you get our episodes or you've subscribed for free. I would say the only thing that you really have to complain about is that I might not always get it there on time. For example, Friday's episode, which was like three and a half hours long, where we talked about Ukraine and Russia, and we talked about uh, the Dominion voting machine history and all of the voting machines history, basically, except we really got to narrow down on Heart Intercivic. Um, I didn't get that posted until today prior to the show going live. So I think that's all you would have to complain about, dear podcast uh, podcast audience. But uh, if you're with us live streaming, it's the end of the month. Uh, it, it's it's the end of a retrograde for Mercury. Uh, 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 you guys over there at the uh, platform hosting sites are lucky uh, because, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I, I mean, you know, it happens sometimes you know, during these uh, retrogrades that uh, everything just gets all mussed up. So, uh, you know, therefore, I don't have to complain too much. But uh, but if you're over at the foxhole or if you're over at uh, pill.net, I mean, all I could say is um, they're eternally working on revamps and uh, they're eternally working on getting the site and the platform to be better. So for eternity, you'll probably miss out on some of your favorite shows over there. I mean, of course, unless, I don't know, um, you're one of the ones that never seem to get any type of muss up on their shows, which means I probably need to pay in more to the platform myself. But that's a story for another matter that's 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 off contract and is a discussion for offline. So we don't need to talk about it. However, I will say I'm still very grateful for uh, the significance that they have provided to a community of uh, amateur podcast producers such as myself um, and that that they allow us to actually uh, stream on their sites. So it's it's kind of a love and a uh, uh, it's not a love hate. Don't get me wrong, guys. I will never get on the air and say, you on notice, people over there at Foxhole. That's just, uh, why the hell would I be on Foxhole if I was going to say some crap like that, right? But what I will say is it, it is a love-headache relationship. You know that relationship where you're just like, I love you, love you, love you, and they give you a headache? Well, you know... <laughs> <laughs> that's my bad for uh, liking the headache, right? You know, so I have nothing else to say about that. Then uh, I'm glad that you have accepted me into the ranks of all of your myriads of myriads of streamers who have such vital, interesting shows uh, that are, um, are, are just top-notch, cutting-edge, grade-A material, like, uh, you know, the kind of stuff that you can really be proud of. And, uh, but that's, that, that's, it's, it's not just about that, you know, it's about community. It's about providing this entire cushion of individuals who share their own thoughts and opinions and music, uh, 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 lovings, uh, the music that they love. And, and hopefully, you know, they never get knocked with a cease and desist order from every single major music corporation because they allow them to stream everybody's freaking music catalog with no problem. But I'm not going to complain because at least I get to play those one or two songs 
that I like. I don't play them in Toto except for one of them. Uh, and then, you know, you know what the podcast, uh, the podcast situation and the Twitch and the, uh, clout hub and the Trovo and the D life situation is probably like, what the hell are you talking about on a Monday evening at 7:45 PM central time? Mr. C that has absolutely no relevance to anyone, but the foxhole and pill.net because they're getting me clearly, um, and with uh, bright streaming colors, and they're wondering why I'm wasting my time talking about a platform that doesn't always seem to work. Uh, because they're always doing upgrades, and they're always making it better, and because of that, we get knocked off sometimes. But, you know, um, it's okay. We still love you all very much, everybody over there at the Foxhole, particularly the community. But uh, you know what? Um, uh, maybe it just gets too comfortable sometimes. I don't know. I'm not sure. That's not what we're here for. Now, what we are here for, so I could tell you about my Monday. That's what we're here for. We're here so I can tell you about my Monday. I had a uh, very busy Monday today. In fact, my Monday was so busy. I had so many appointments to get to today. I had so many things to peruse today. And, you know, could I tell you exactly how sore some parts of my bodies are today. I don't travel by a car, you know, because I don't believe in polluting um, the uh, uh, green, 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 the whole green thing, guys. Like, I chose two years ago not to have a car because I didn't want my carbon footprint to... Yeah, yeah, so there's a whole bunch of BS. You know, if you hear, if you hear anybody say that they chose to sell their car because they wanted to uh, decrease their carbon footprint. They're full of it. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let me tell you something. If someone really wanted to decrease their carbon footprint, they would have invented, uh, you know, uh, electric cars or which actually doesn't even decrease the carbon footprint. I'm sure we're very much aware of it. What it does do is it increases the amount of uh, what like uh, blood, blood uh, spilling over in Africa for the people who have to mine the uh, things that they need for those batteries. Right. But uh, what it uh, they they would have created hydrogen peroxide. No, they would create hydrogen-based fuel. You know, they would really invest in that type of thing. They wouldn't uh, be talking to you guys about uh, 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 selling their cars. They'd be like Pete Buttigieg, right? And they would say, "Oh, I ride my bike to work every day. If I were smart, I would get a bike." Okay, but they'd be like, I ride my bike to work every day. And then like Pete Buttigieg, they would like uh, drive up to about a block away from their car. I mean, from their job. And then they would ride a bike the rest of the way to their job. That is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I had just have really bad internet today. It's kind of what I'm thinking here. I'm going to go ahead and do this. There we go. That's the ticket. That's the ticket. Okay. And then we'll see what happens from there. Because uh, it seems like there's no love for anybody at 7.30 p.m. on a Monday night. Uh, but it's all good, ladies and gentlemen. 
as long as we're in the hood. But you know, this is actually kind of good because um, where, where I am kind of going tonight is I don't got a whole lot of pre-show other than the ramblings that I've been doing tonight. We got a slew of President Trump statements for you guys tonight and uh, a whole bunch of great stories to share. Uh, now, you all probably, or no, actually, if you are on uh, Clout Hub or Twitch or DLive or Trovo, uh, you probably all might have seen that intro video that we played today. Ooh boy, did that get my uh, nerves, uh, you know, and it got my nerves relaxed, but it got me very excited uh, because it seems that uh, we have one of the great filmmakers and uh, one of the great um Point men, really, of all times, Dinesh D'Souza is coming in at it, ladies and gentlemen, and he's teamed up with True the Vote and uh, and I'm sure also the Gateway Pundit and I'm sure to an extent also Voter, Voter GA into bringing a brand new documentary that's going to tell everybody about the ballot trafficking in the state of Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, if I were never in a state of more confusion than I am right now or of uncertainty, it would be over this. Who am I voting on next, ladies and gentlemen? Am I going to vote on Pennsylvania or am I going to vote on Georgia as being the next state to decertify the 2020 general presidential election of these United States? Now, one thing I can be certain about, one thing I would do if I were in uh, Las Vegas right now and if they had um, if they had a, uh, you know, a, a bookie for this, I I would most definitely put my money down on Arizona as being the third state to decertify, okay? Because, you know, you know, Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Now, I mean, if we're, at, if we're talking about actual decertification, that's something else, okay? But Wisconsin wins for being the first to put something on the books, right? But they haven't decertified, okay? And I was always between Georgia and Wisconsin, right? But but I kind of feel the third state to decertify prim and proper and on the book signed, so help me God, is is going to be Arizona. Arizona will be number three, okay? But uh, with, like I said, today's going to be a hard thrust into uh, um, election stories. I would most definitely say we've got a lot of stories for you guys today. We're going to catch up on all of that uh, for the fact that, you know, we, uh, we've just been, we've been lost in Wonderland over there at, uh, uh, what was it, uh, over there at, um, um, uh, we've been lost in, we've been lost in, uh, we have been lost in Russia and Ukraine, ladies and gentlemen, and so uh, what we're going to do now is, uh, we are going to venture forth into uh, other areas. We're going to talk about election security today, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's go ahead and move forward, ladies and gentlemen, and let's see what we got for you. We're going to start off with uh, some Trump statements as per the usual. 
Now, uh, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, we actually had a rather foolhardy event this past Saturday here at uh, the state of Texas, where we had President Trump presenting over in Conroe. And uh, that was a great time indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Full. What was it? 50,000 people coming up to see President Trump or more. Couldn't say much more than that, ladies and gentlemen. He gave a great speech on uh, on uh, Saturday. It was a very fun time here over at uh, the C channels or Mr. CTV for those of you who are watching abroad and beyond. And uh, we had a great time. We had a great time. More so than I could speak of about the things. I mean, he just went on and on and on. And I don't, uh, I don't necessarily do the decodes. I take him for his word. And it was, uh, it was a very enthusiastic meeting, ladies and gentlemen. But with that in mind, you know, he did, he did make some mentions, some mentions that we're also going to be presenting here today at the Sea Report. Uh, you know, one of those mentions, of course, had to deal with the One American News Network, O-A-N-N, as I like to say here at the Sea Report. And, uh, you know, the news, it was, you know, it's true, you know, they're getting dumped, ladies and gentlemen, apparently, uh, by those who uh, cannot deal with the fact that they're, uh, you know, giving them real news at real times. And uh, so let's see what we had here. The first statement from President Trump actually has to deal with the entire One American News debacle. Let's see what's going on. It says a uh, statement from President Trump actually coming out of uh, yesterday's releases by the press. It says uh, AT&T is closing the very popular One American News Network, O-A-N-N, because too many people are watching. Can you imagine that being so popular and having such on the dot news being so right over the target that they censor and silence and refuse to allow their shows to play on their networks or platforms? Well, O-A-N-N, I know exactly how you feel sometimes. They couldn't put up with that any longer. Conservatives slash Republicans should boycott DirecTV. And while you're at it, Concast Xfinity as well. They are radical left lunatics who are destroying our nation. Oh, President Trump. Well, you know, it, it is definitely something that President Trump is sticking his neck out. Uh, you know, it's not like he's sticking his neck out, but he's putting in a word for One American News. We know that faux news, we know that news masks have sold themselves out most desperately. And even the even during uh, even during last episode, we talked about uh, how uh, the Epoch Times landed on the same chopping block as these other two networks for their uh, uh, for sharing information about Dominion. Okay, like you know, a lot of things can be said about uh, about um, you know uh, what's her face uh, 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 Sydney Powell, right? Uh, you you can call her a Rosicrucian, you can call her a a, a a Mason woman, you can call her uh, you know a snake or a serpent, I guess. 
but I mean, uh, she didn't back down from any of those. <laughs> she did not back down from any of those, uh, any of those, um, you know, uh, things. She, she didn't back down from, from, from the lawsuits. She's still fighting them. You know what I mean? Like she's still fighting them. So I don't know if she's a Rosicrucian, you know, um, Freemason person or not. Uh, some people say that, you know, uh, I mean, it's just, uh, I, you know, we'll save this for an in the dark moment. This whole, uh, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta be divisive and we got to point out the shills. We can save that for later. I mean, I'm, I'm called a shill all the time, but it's okay. Usually the people who call me shills are very not important and, uh, it's whatever it is, whatever it's going to be. They don't, they don't even know me, you know, but I guess uh, you wouldn't know a shill, would you? Huh? Okay. Well, we had this article out of the Times of San Diego. OAN founder finally addresses AT&T, asks viewers to help find new home. I'll pull that onto the screen. So just this way, uh, you guys know I'm not making it up and I'm not just, you know, pooping it out of my butthole. But uh, let's go ahead and see what these guys had to say. Is this the OANN founder, CEO Robert Herring Sr. said, We only charge cable carriers 10 cents per household per month. Oh, wow. I mean, that seems like it's a pretty good deal there if you ask me. But uh, what do I know? I have no, I have no knowledge of these uh, matters. Let me go ahead and pull this article up on the screen real quick so we can see what... Robert Herring Sr. has to say, uh, and he says, the founder and CEO of San Diego-based O1 American News on Thursday appealed to viewers of his far right. That's how you know the San Diego Sun or Times or whatever it is. Um, you know, uh, just, uh, yeah, doesn't have to. Hold on, ladies and gentlemen. I got a comment coming through. On um on the um um uh faux <laughs> faux faux hole and we got on faux hole networks woot what's up oh or are you guys watching me over on Twitch <laughs> we're gonna start calling them faux hole here at the C report because uh, their hole is just not real uh, comfy for me or my viewers. Uh, Woot, what's up, y'all? I am, I'm telling my viewers over at Fohole that I am live. Um, oh, wait, it says, yeah. Yeah, try Twitch. I don't, I don't know. At Fohole, my show does not work very often. I usually get, and usually I, uh, for, for those of you over at Twitch or beyond or Clout Hub, uh, and I learned a little bit about the relationship between people at Clout Hub and Fohole when I was in Nevada, which I don't care to talk about because I think that's in bad taste. But uh, you got me in a moment right now. I had a bad day today. Okay, guys. You So you got me in a moment. All right. And so I'm just going to talk. All right. And I don't normally do this because I like Fohole, but they're a Fohole. Okay. Like, uh... <laughs> And I normally edit this shit out of my podcast, but I don't think I'm going to edit it out today, okay? I don't like to talk crap about my, uh, my favorite platform to be on, but I'm not their favorite, okay? Um, so, uh, 
Yeah, it is the spinning circle of death at Fohole right now because that's the way it always is for my show over there. But you know what? I like being on their platform. I like them. Uh, oh, and I like the community too. And even even the boss told me when I first got on there, it's it's a community unlike any other. Make sure you take care of them. Make sure you know you're good to them because they're good to us, right? Okay, well... Maybe I don't deserve the the community over there at Faux Hole. Maybe I did something that I don't deserve you guys. Maybe that's what's up. But you know what? I am not the one that is deciding that, okay? Someone else is deciding that for me, okay? All right, and I'm just going to leave it there. Okay, so I'm going to get back into my article, all right? I'm going to get back into my article. I don't know what the hell I did wrong over there other than maybe not go to the big boys table, but that's the only thing I could guess, all right? I'm not trying to cause division, but uh, you know what? At this point, uh, I'm disappointed in the faux hole, okay? All right, so uh, let's go ahead and carry on. I'm sure things will get better. Maybe I'll make like a $200 donation to them or something like that, and things will get better. You know, if I do that, never mind the 25% that they take out of every show that I do that I get donations, but, uh, maybe I need to make like, I don't know, a $500 donation to them or something like that. And it'll work. And, uh, okay. All right. So let's get back to this article here. We're going to start all overs again so I can do a proper edit. And, uh, it says here from the, the times from the times of San Diego. Wait, right. Wait, wait, wait. Three, two, one. Times of San Diego says OANN founder finally addresses AT&T, asks viewers to help find new home. Okay, so what does the Times of San Diego have to say about this from a week ago? And uh, okay, so the founder and CEO of San Diego-based One American News on Thursday appealed to viewers of his far-right network to contact their cable provider to carry OAN. Robert Herring Sr. commented publicly for the first time on surprise news a week ago that AT&T and DirecTV would drop OAN. Whether it's Spectrum, Dish, or any of the other great providers, let them know that you would like them to carry One American News, he said in a two and a half minute segment. He even revealed what OAN makes in the carriage agreement. We only charge 10 cents per household per month, Herring said. That is a great deal by any standard, giving all of the amazing content our team puts out. In March 2016, OAN sued AT&T, complaining that AT&T had decided to acquire DirecTV and down and wind down Uverse without telling Herring Networks. A year later, the case was dismissed at the request of both parties, but in that original complaint, OAN said its monthly carriage fee was 18 cents per subscriber. More recently, a leading market analytical uh, analytics firm listed OAN's affiliate fees at 12 cents, which is what Media Matters president Angelo Caruso tweeted in October. And uh, we're not going to read, uh, you know, Media Matters uh, little tweet there because we don't like Media Matters. AT&T has been what certainly seems like overpaying for OANN. Oh my goodness. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, 
I just got to say right now, I will never call them O-A-N-N again because that is exactly what Media Matters calls them. And I will not be in the same boat as those leftist propagandist communist sympathizing organizations. Now, the statement continues, fees are set by negotiation, but a big driver is demand score. The number of people requesting the channel. OAN doesn't have a particular high demand score and certainly not one that would justify 12 cents. Well, that's what you might think, Media Matters. In 2019, OAN claimed to be available to 35 million households, but its actual viewership has been placed at only tens of thousands. Uh, But Donald Trump has called OAN his favorite channel, and OAN reciprocates by supporting his false claims and frauds. I must say, ladies and gentlemen, if you were joining us over at uh, the um, uh, President Trump rally in Conroe, Texas, well, I mean, that's exact. We were broadcasting off of OAN, but uh, they were like, I don't know three minutes behind the other live feeds, and that meant that they were like three minutes and 30 seconds behind on Fohole. So uh, it just didn't work out. (laughs) But we jumped over to the Trump Rumble feed, which was very good, ladies and gentlemen, except for the fact that it kind of like, you know, hissed out every now and then. So uh, that is what it is. But uh, OAN, yeah, we we are total supporters of uh, One American News Network here at the Sea Report. Uh, and we stand behind the work that they do a hundred percent, if not more so. Uh, so, well, I mean, that's all we got to say about that. Let's finish this article up here. It says, uh, Carusone of the left-leading watchdog Media Matters for America said last week, now that OAN's anchor distributor has dropped them, Verizon FIOS, OAN's second major distributor, should follow suit. And certainly no other cable provider should pick them up. In his on-air remarks Thursday, Herring said he had been working with AT&T CEO John Stanky, 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 John Stanky. And we always appreciate the great working relationship we had with him. But he said William Kennard, the biggest Kennard of all Kennards, the new head of AT&T's board, let OAN know that he and the rest of the board simply do not want to carry us anymore. It was a complete surprise to us given how great our viewership has been. Herring added, now we don't know exactly what we are going to do yet, but don't worry, we have a lot of options. We have always been and are still more than happy to talk to the cable providers throughout the country. A spokeswoman for Media Matters said Friday that Herring's remarks about AT&T chairman Kennard come after on-air remarks from OAN host Dan Ball asking viewers to dig up dirt on Kennard. The same host is now asking viewers to call AT&T and DirecTV and threaten to drop them if OAN is removed. She said via email, without DirecTV, OAN would certainly not exist in its current form and possibly not at all. In his remarks, Herring said he had worked with AT&T in one capacity or another starting at age 20 years old. I started out as a chauffeur, driving their executives around town, and later in life, this little news network that I built with my family and a small group of the hardest working individuals I know 
found its way into the AT&T channel lineup, he said. Herring's LinkedIn profile makes no mention of any work at and Of course, okay, yeah, like, okay, okay, uh, this article from the Sun Times of whatever. You think he's really going to talk about how he was a chauffeur? Like, I would not put that in my resume. That has absolutely no relevance towards me being part of a network or building one as such, right? That's kind of what I would think. So uh, it goes on. He continued, our viewership has grown so much year after year, and we read every single one of your viewer emails. We take the time to talk to you when you approach us on the streets. We listen to you, and that's why we know that you keep watching our network, because we tell it like it is. OAN faces lawsuits demanding billions of dollars for the network's promotions on unfounded conspiracy theories about Smartmatic and Dominion voting machines, which I might add, ladies and gentlemen, we just talked about that on Friday of last week. And, uh, you know, if you're in our podcast, then we talked about that today. And indeed, ladies and gentlemen, of all of the major networks out there, of all of the networks, period, OAN is the only one that did not back down from any type of lawsuit or litigation. They're the only ones who still continue to talk about the massive amounts of voter fraud that happened in the election year of 2020 for these United States of America. They're the only ones that still pump out stories about uh, election fraud and election integrity. No other network that is major, such as Newsmask or Faux News, have done that, ladies and gentlemen. It, this is absolutely true blue in the face. And that is exactly one of the reasons why we here at the C-Report, I myself, Mr. C, uh, support One American News. And I would say boycott, boycott, boycott just as President Trump urged, not only what was this, uh, this uh, mobile universe, whatever it is, but also AT&T, AT&T, U-verse, all of them, whomever any of these people are who are threatening to steal real, credible, actual news and information from us, boycott them all ladies and gentlemen. Let's see if anyone puts the pedal to the metal and uh, sees if their moxie lines up with their values, but uh, that's what we're talking about, and that's what we're calling for right here and now. Uh, Our ownership has grown so much over the years, he says. Now, OAN faces lawsuits demanding billions of dollars for the network's promotion on unfounded, and you see unfounded conspiracy. Who is this newspaper to say that this conspiracy is unfounded, okay? They are nobody to say that this conspiracy is unfounded. But yet, here we go, ladies and gentlemen, it still says that they are unfounded. In spite of the fact that tonight we'll be covering a whole bunch of news about founded fact that has to do with Uh, this election fraud. Is it about Smartmatic and Dominion? Maybe not specifically, but it will be at a point, ladies and gentlemen. Now, last week, OAN attorney Blaine C. Kimmery filed a response defending its motion to dismiss a $1.6 billion defamation suit by Dominion launched last August, addressing federal judge Carl J. Nichols in Washington, D.C. Kimmery repeated his initial motion, 
The court should dismiss or stay this case based on Colorado River abstention. He wrote, alternatively, the court should transfer this case to the U.S. District Court for the District of Colorado under Section 1404. And if the court does not dismiss, stay, or transfer the case in its entirety, the court should dismiss the case against OAN, Charles Herring, and Robert Herring Sr. for failure by Dominion to adequately plead personal jurisdiction. Court records do not yet indicate when the case will be heard in U.S. District Court in D.C. And, you know, that is the thing there, I might add, if we're talking about uh, Dominion not really having... um, they don't have all their ducks in a row, you know, but they do have most of them. Uh, but, you know, Dominion, they have lawsuits where they just sued the heck out of everybody, right? Uh, there's, uh, there's still, the lawsuits with Dominion are still out there, okay? We still have them suing for billions of dollars against individuals and also against corporations, etc. You know, Uh, But at the same time, you know, we also have uh, other lawsuits like you don't see many counter suits or suits against Dominion. There is one that I'm aware of, but one that I cannot really speak of because I don't know the depth and the breadth of it. Uh, All I know is it is a suit of defamation against Dominion. Okay, Uh, and and I think there's a few other things that go along with that lawsuit. And the only other thing that I know is that that suit is filed by one. Torp Sahari, Morris Lindman, and that's about all that I know about that. Uh, but, you know, who knows, perhaps uh, we'll get to hear more about that at some point in the future and see where that uh, where that goes directly. Okay, guys, so uh, let's move on to uh, what, what do we got next here for you guys tonight? Um, oh, I forgot I brought that one up. On its own, we got another statement from President Trump. And to be quite honest with you all tonight, uh, President Trump's statements are actually going to be uh, making up or setting the uh, setting the uh, how would you say how how would you say is is the skeleton for tonight's show his statements are the skeleton for tonight's show. Now, this next statement, ladies and gentlemen, I am actually quite, quite happy, excited with. And uh, it it actually uh, boils back down to um, uh, the uh, video that we opened with. So let's take a gander, Mr. Zander, at what uh, President Trump has to say. And the statement goes like this. Highly respected Dinesh D'Souza, or D'Souza, however you want to pronounce it, working together with Catherine Engelbrecht of True the Vote, just released a trailer to their new movie, 2,000 Mules, not 200 cigarettes, 2,000 Mules, ladies and gentlemen, that shows the world exactly how the 2020 presidential election was rigged and stolen. The movie exposes the lies of the Democrats, rhinos, and fake news who say it was the most secure election in history. It was perhaps the least secure in history. The ballot box was stuffed and stuffed like never before, and it's all on video. Perhaps where uh, trafficked and... uh, Wait. 
ballots were trafficked and sold in a massive operation in each swing state. The evidence is so damning. What will the cowards who sat and did nothing about the stolen election say now? The votes were taken away is a disgrace to our nation. It must be fixed. Ladies and gentlemen, it's happening so fast now. It's unrolling so fast now. We have Wisconsin. We have Georgia. We have Pennsylvania. We have Arizona. And they're all stepping up to the bat in the different ways that we have not seen them step up to the bat before. We've seen Arizona as the heavy hitter. Arizona was the heavy hitter of 2020 and 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, Arizona stood up to the bat like no one we had seen stand up to the bat before. But now we've got three other states in play among the five most highly contested states of the election year of 2020 in these United States of America with the freedom and liberty of the people on the line with the sacredness of the Constitution at play here, ladies and gentlemen. It's unlike anything we've seen before. It's happening so fast. It's happening so fast, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of want to watch that video again. You guys want to see it again? Ooh, if you haven't seen it yet, and I'm sure most of you have, it's going to make, it's going to, it's going to cause the, the hair on your skin to rise. It's going to give you the, 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 the heebie-jeebies. It's going to give you that good old shiva. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I promise you, 2,000 mules, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I think there was like, 234 mules, but uh, for what it's worth, ladies and gentlemen, Dinesh D'Souza, True the Vote, Voter GA, God bless you all. Let's check it out. The 2020 election was the most secure in U.S. history. There has been no evidence of widespread voter fraud. He lost a fair and secure election. The most secure election in American history. Really? All those of you volunteered and worked the polls, you deserve a special thanks from the entire nation. This one mule made 53 trips to 20 drop boxes. He's not alone. We tracked 2,000 mules making multiple ballot drops. Leaving no fingerprints. Snapping photos to get paid. A coordinated ring of illegal vote harvesting in all the key states where the election was decided. They've delivered us a clear victory. Game over.
we'll leave it there at Desauza Media, 2000mules.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is ravishing information. You don't, uh, you, you know what? My audience understands. My, under, my audience understands exactly how ravishing this information is. You know, once that whistleblower came out, they were done, ladies and gentlemen. And once True the Vote got on the uh, case, ladies and gentlemen, they were done. I mean, it's done. It's over with. It's settled. Now the only thing that we have to wait through or wade through, I could say, is this long game process. It's that long game process that is the litigation field. It's the entire court network system uh, because we got to make sure that everything is done right. Now, just picture, picture it this way. If you had military drop in or, you know, you had some kind of like turnover like this real quick. And uh, they just, uh, you know, came down and said, hey, you have broken the Constitution. We're going to do this, this and that. They, they could eat. I mean, anyone opposed to that uh, very notion, though, while we might agree with something like that, could say, well, you didn't follow the law. So either they're setting a precedence for like a dictatorship or they're setting the precedence for like a military junta or... If you follow the law as it is, it preserves the rule of law and it shows that we can work within those boundaries to overcome the uh, absolute theft and nefarity that these people have put upon us, ladies and gentlemen. Now, when we're talking about what what uh, this brand new... Um, and I really don't think it could come soon enough, guys. This brand new documentary that is coming out right now, it cannot come soon enough. Okay, it's coming in the spring. Come on, Dinesh D'Souza. Like, we got the uh, primaries here in freaking March in Texas. Like, it's happening everywhere. Like, this is coming. It, I mean, it feels like it's coming a little bit too late, right? But, you know, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not 2024 yet. So it's okay you know, but it's not okay, right? Because, like, uh, all the elections post-2020 were supposed to be secure. It doesn't feel like that's the case, at least not 100%. But we're still moving forward. The timeline is just where it is right now. It might not be where we want it to be personally, but we're still moving forward. We still have Pennsylvania and Georgia and also Wisconsin on top of Arizona. It only takes three Okay, we already have one state that's threatening to decertify, and I think that's because, well, let's face it, when you get a rhino like Robin Voss pissing off a representative like Tim Rantham, he ain't going to just sit there and take it. He's going to counterpunch. He's going to punch back. But what we have happening in Georgia now makes me think, yes, Georgia could absolutely decertify soon. But you know what? The legislature and on top of the courts in Georgia seem to be pretty slow rolling, especially when we talk about Pennsylvania a little later on. We're going to talk about Pennsylvania coming up because today, today the hard thrust is on election integrity and fraud for the C-Report as per the usual. 
But, um, <laughs> well, well, Pennsylvania, the courts in Pennsylvania and the Commonwealth seem to be moving along a lot quicker than what's happening in Georgia and Arizona. I mean, who's slower, Arizona or Georgia? Georgia or Arizona? Well, we'll see who comes out on top in the end. But it seems like the courts in Pennsylvania are not as back-ass-at-words as they are in those other two states, which is funny. Because, you know, uh, well, I mean, it's not funny. I guess it, it is. It does stand to reason that the courts in uh, Georgia at least would be as backwards as they are. Now, let's talk about this uh, video, this uh, documentary that's coming out with Dinesh D'Souza and True the Vote as President Trump. Abroad. He talked about it during his rally in Conroe, Texas. He mentioned it in Arizona. The True the Vote, Catherine Engelbrecht and the work that they have done. Now, this investigation, which was totally independent and totally separate from anything that anyone else was doing in the state of Georgia or Arizona or Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, totally, no one saw this coming, ladies and gentlemen. If Catherine Elbrook stepped out of some kind of a wormhole of another dimension and into our dimension and into our timeline and said, look, guys, we got this for you. I would be like totally accepting of that because no one saw her coming. No one saw True the Vote. No one saw Catherine Elbrook coming. We reported on them back in like the spring when this story first broke and it's finally getting traction, which is the most beautiful thing about it. It's finally picking, it's finally sticking. You know, this, this entire narrative of uh, 2020 fraud and 2020 uh, illegitimate stolen elections is no longer Teflon Don. You know, they, they, it's sticking, ladies and gentlemen. Like, we're throwing stuff and it's sticking because it's true. And it took like, what, two or three media cycles for people to finally realize that, hey, uh, maybe uh, something really did happen in 2020. Maybe the, the, the elections really were stolen. Maybe something untoward really went down then. Or it could be that for some reason, the wealth of evidence that is now presenting itself before our very eyes for us to see and not just be told is having a reckoning for everybody out there who wanted to disparage us and who wanted to tell us that um, uh, there was no such thing. You know, there was no such thing. Thanks for joining us over at uh, Twitch Slick Shoe. You're amongst some friends today over at Twitch as the faux hole is not working well tonight, but I welcome you either way. So we have uh, True the Vote and this was what was breaking, guys, because as, me as many times as dear Garland Favorito and Voter GA presented you all of the information, Garland Favorito was like, look, guys, what we have right here is evidence of electronic ballot, uh, you know, uh, 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 images that show us that there were duplicates. Uh, I'm sorry that I'm going to rain on your parade with this truth, but this is the truth. And everyone in the court was like, Garland, just speak too soft. It's going to be dismissed. And I'm not picking on Garland, guys, but he's just the most genteel, respectable, and proper. And, uh, you know, he's such a good guy. They just steamrolled him. He had evidence of, like, uh, yeah, multiple ballots and botched ballot 
uh, um, batches, okay? He had, he present, we watched the evidence here on the sea report. Like, it was all there, ladies and gentlemen, and they just steamrolled the poor man. Like, the courts just steamrolled him, okay? So, Catherine Elbricht comes out of some other dimension and steps into our timeline and says, we're the truth about, and we've done a, a, a geospatial cellular pinging investigation that shows that there were 254 mules that trafficked ballots to all of these different precinct ballots boxes and uh we got we got we got their uh, geospatial location we got them on video even though the videos are not good and we'll talk about that as we move along and uh you know we got we got a whistleblower that says he got paid ten dollars a ballot and he made forty five hundred oh, forty five thousand dollars and that was the average okay Whatever dimension Catherine Elbrick and True the Vote comes from, I am most grateful. What we're going to look at right now is a video that I believe has no sound, so we don't have to worry about any goofs <laughs> like we had during that, uh, that video that we played. Uh, but this is... Okay, so apparently, not only did these mules, right, that these ballot trafficking mules, right... Not only did they uh, did they have to go to uh, you know uh, x amount of ballot drop off boxes and drop off ballots. Not that they had to, but they wanted to because they were getting paid ten dollars a ballot to defraud, cheat, and destroy the American way of doing their electoral process. Uh, but they also had to take pictures to prove right to prove that they dropped off the ballots, like uh, like these these heinous assholes. Okay, that wanted uh, wanted them to defraud and cheat the American people out of an election. Like, these people have no moral compass. They have no scruples. They have no love for company, company, a country. And they probably don't even love themselves because they are willing to defraud. This is the way that we run our, our country. Do they have no love or regard for freedom? Or liberty, they don't care that they're willing to take $10 a ballot. Like, this is... I can't even understand them, okay? Uh, but but they have to take a picture of their ballots, okay? Uh, to prove that they dropped them off at the box, okay? And uh, it, this is a good example of it right here. Let's just watch the video. Let's just watch how disgusting this is. And how they're not going to get caught doing this is beyond me. Like, because, you know, doesn't, doesn't NSA capture everything, right? Like, so I'm sure they could see this. So, so, so for the people on the podcast, what we're looking at right now is one of these ballot harvesters. And this is the best video that we're going to get. Like, this is the best video according to Voter GA and True the Vote. Two independent separate organizations that are on the case. Uh, this is the best video in the entire state of Georgia of what this looks like. And what we're looking at is a ballot harvester, someone who is agreed with some uh, unknown shady entities and some non-governmental organizations, 501c3, and we'll find out what political party these people are tied to, I'm sure, in deposition or in litigation, okay? That's going to come out, and that's going to be where RICO comes, guys. Mark my words. When they start 
finding out what NGOs were tied to this and who they were reporting to, we're going to get RICO. We're going to get, oh, the Democrat Party. Oh, the DNC. Oh, the Democrats of Georgia. Oh, they were doing this in Arizona. Oh, they were doing this in Pennsylvania. Oh, they were doing this in Michigan. Oh, is this tied to something much higher than the Democrat parties of the states? Does it go to all the way to the Democrat National Party? Oh, wait, the Democrat National Party was also tied to what? President Trump and uh, them trying to uh, say that he was part of Russian collusion and they paid for the dossier? Could this be part of a bigger conspiracy that is across state lines and involves the entire country? And could this possibly be tied to uh, uh, NGOs and people who are working outside of America? Can you say, Rico, this is part of the domino falling? You mark my words here on the C-Report on this, the last day of January 2022. You heard it here. This is what I think. Now let's watch the video because we're going to look at this guy who is ballot harvesting and he has to take a photo of all of the ballots that he's dropping into this mail-in ballot drop box or this ballot absentee drop box, whatever it is. He's taking a picture he has to in order to get paid. Here's the video. Shazam! Look at all them ballots. This is at least what? $200 right here? $100? Yeah, drop them in. In a fan. He thinks he's Katana from Mortal Kombat. He's like, oh, I'm going to drop all these ballots in here and make all this money. And dang, I got my PS4. Five right here for Christmas. Look at that. My PS5. My son's going to get his PS5. I don't have to get a PS1 and a PS4 to get my son a PS5 because I'm going to drop all these ballots in here. And guess what? This is probably not the only ballot drop box that he's going to to get his son a PS5 for Christmas. All right, you scum of the earth. All right, you man who loathes my liberty. All right, you person who wants to take away my freedom. I hope your son got his PS5. I hope he got it because we're taking you to jail, my friend. And you know what? It's bad enough that we need fathers in homes, but you did this to yourself, my friend. Now, this comes from uh, Heather Mullins. Heather Mullins was on the case, ladies and gentlemen, with just about everything going on in Georgia and in New Hampshire. And if you guys have not heard about what's going on in New Hampshire, we will most definitely be reporting on that this week. Okay, now... Breaking in Georgia, says Heather Mullins, video appears to show illegal ballot harvester in Gwinnett County, Georgia. On October 12, 2020, he fans out ballots, takes a photo, and places them in the drop box. It's been reported that illegal ballot harvesters were paid $10 per ballot and had to show proof. <laughs> These people have no... Okay, you know, we as people in the patriot community, we know NSA, all them folks, they get everything. Any picture you take, any movie you make, they are there watching you, okay? The, apparently, these people have no concept of that idea, and they think that they're just going to get away with it. It is amazing. Okay, uh, the next thing I want to show you guys, because we've already kind of talked about True the Vote, uh, this was a, uh, an int uh, a brief interview with uh, Liz Harrington of President Trump administration and uh, uh, dissemination of information fame on Twitter, Mrs. Liz Harrington. I, I don't think we've shown her face here on the C-Report before, but uh, with honors, she's talking with some dude named Mike Slater. 
of True Story, and they're kind of talking a little bit about this whole ballot harvesting thing. And this is huge, guys. This is immensely huge. When we first reported on True the Vote back in the day when no one even knew what their name was, uh, we were here at the Sea Report telling you guys about it. We were waiting for this story to uh, get the traction it deserves. And now we see the light of day coming forward. And, uh, well, let's, let's just see what they have to say about this entire situation, ladies and gentlemen. We have a video here, Liz. Uh, I, I, want to, I want you to we'll play it here, and then I want you to walk us through it, of the Dropbox situation. Guys, if you can play that. Playing at two times speed. This is what the video, Dropbox video looks like, by the way. This is one of the best ones. So this is the collection team they're picking up. It's a two-person collection team. They're unlocking the box. She puts the ballot, uh, the little special you know, carrier down there. They start going through the boxes. This is at 9-11 in the morning. And then she puts a few more, and then all of a sudden, what happens? It's now 3.45. So that's, you know, that's not horribly uncommon, but it's very hard to find this. We can go through ballot transfer forms. That's not that big a deal. But going through thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of video is taking a lot of time. Uh, so tell me what we just saw there, Liz. What was that video? Right. So with these, which were never really approved by law, by the way, these drop boxes were totally illegitimate, but they had specific rules that were supposed to go along with them. And one of them was you need 24 hour video surveillance uh, to, again, make the most secure election in history um, secure. And apparently this is what we got missing hours of footage. There's another video that shows Cameras that were, that was the best video, the best shot of the Dropbox that people that are investigating this and got all of this footage through an open records request, voter GA, that's what they, that was the best video that they found. Most of the videos were, the camera was across the street. You had no view whatsoever of what was being put in the Dropbox. And they have the tally sheets that go along with it that show just how crooked this was. And this is a sham. A first world country cannot have its elections run this way. They have missing signatures. They have time traveling ballots where the ballot, they reported on the ballot transfer form that the ballots were delivered to the uh, registrar to be counted at 1 p.m., but they were picked up from the Dropbox at 1.16 p.m. Totally impossible. They have all these pickups um, that were within three minutes apart, which is virtually um, not, you can't, it's impossible. You can't get to one Dropbox to another across town that quickly. Th what it shows is this was an ends justify the means election. And whatever they had to do, if they had to fill out these tally sheets late, by the way, you have these ballot transfer forms that are totally fraudulent. You also have tally sheets for the uh, mail-in ballots that were missing, 100,000 were missing from Fulton County for months after the election. That means Brad Raffensperger certified an election that he knew he didn't have the information. He knew they didn't follow the rules. So he rubber-stamped this fraud uh, and just pushed it through uh, without ever doing the due diligence. And now he's had to admit his office has opened an investigation into the 43,000 um, ballots in DeKalb County that we know violated chain of custody rules. He's also looking at this ballot harvesting operation, which True the Vote has discovered. You have hundreds of ballot traffickers 
who were paid. In one instance, uh, you have a witness who, te who testified anonymously but blew the whistle and said um, he was paid $10 a ballot. So that's the sale, the price of our democracy for sale. It's disgusting. It needs to be thoroughly investigated. And we know that it was purposeful to alter the outcome. You know, they always say, oh, there's not enough evidence uh, to change the outcome. The reason for the fraud was to alter the outcome. Everyone knows it. And there's a reason why they've stonewalled so much and don't want us to get the evidence out there. They censor us. They try to smear us. Another amazing example was the ballots under the table, that infamous video that President Trump's lawyers uncovered uh, after the election. And Georgia tells us, their election officials, that this is just, oh, normal. This is after they kicked out the poll watchers, which is another way that they stole it. They did this in secret. They counted in secret. They said, oh, no, we're stopping counting for the night. They kick out the media. They kick out the poll watchers. And then they resume counting. And they pull out ballots from under tables. And they count until 1 a.m. in the morning. And this is all on video. This is The full video is all there for everyone to see. And Georgia comes back and says, oh, this is just, quote unquote, normal ballot processing. Well, maybe for the Soviet Union or maybe for Iraq when Saddam Hussein was running it, but not for a first world country, not for a constitutional republic like the United States. It's such a travesty. Okay, and that is pretty much the base of that uh, interview there. Uh, so there you see, you know, not only do we have evidence of ballot harvesting and individuals taking photos of their ballots as they drop them, but we also have a lot of um, uh, footage that just seems to vanish. That seems to be a, a very much seems to be a, a trend with all of things in regards to ballot uh, election and security and integrity. We saw that multiple times in Georgia. We saw that in New Hampshire. We saw that in Arizona, guys, where footage just seems to go missing. So a very good report there, kind of summing up a lot of uh, those would be the more uh, the more uh, current matters that they're dealing with and the points that they are using in regards to trying to uh, justify, which is a shame that they have to try and justify the measures that we are taking to ensure that we have secure, fair elections in this country, ones that we can rely on. Ladies and gentlemen, okay, let's move on to our next topic du jour. And I think <laughs> I think you guys are gonna enjoy this one. Okay, let me let me uh let me kind of <laughs> okay. <laughs> the next statement comes from uh President Trump about uh Vice President Mike Pence. Ladies and gentlemen, what are we doing here? Zuckerbucks, okay, curious cat, not to take away from Pence here on the board, but Zuckerbucks, yes, sir, exactly so. When you're paying out 243 or 46 trafficking mules for ballots, where is that money coming from? 
That's what I said too. I said, I said, let me see that these mules got paid by Zuckerbucks to traffic these ballots. Okay, let me see that uh, Wanda Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman and Ralph Jones got paid by Zuckerbucks to run their scam on the rest of the people there at the uh, at the State Farm Arena, kick them out so they could uh, you know run their ballots through four or five, six, seven times, right? Let me see that Zuckerbucks, and you know, I pray to God that that is true. Not because I wanted them to have gotten paid out by Zuckerbucks, but because of the fact that if they got paid out by Zuckerbucks to run these mules, all these NGOs and all of these Democrat, uh, you know, uh, um, um, organizations, and they had Wanda Shea Moss getting paid, like what, $100,000 or more? I don't know how much she got paid. That's just a number that's rolling off my tongue. But let's see if they got that money from Zuckerbucks. Because uh, maybe they wouldn't have had that money. Or you know what? Maybe, maybe the county or the regional or the area or the precinct, uh, you know, uh, uh, electoral uh, people were able to pay them that money because they got money from Zuckerbucks in order to push that out. They're like, okay, well, you know, Zuckerbucks is going to take care of the PPE and uh, Zuckerbucks is going to take care of, uh, you know, uh, hiring people. So why don't we just spend this money on Ruby Freeman? and Wandre Moss and give them the money to go ahead and steal this election and to organize all of that. And it's not just in Georgia, ladies and gentlemen, as we are finding out that this ballot trafficking scheme happened in at least four or five of the most contentious states and in Texas, that's something they haven't released yet. But they brought their investigation to Texas as well. And I've got some stuff to say about Texas as well. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But soon, okay? That they could have very well used that uh, that mon- that Zuckerbuck's money as a subsidiary, as something to help them cover their costs so their costs could go into paying for these ballot traffickers. Okay, either way, it stinks. Either way, it's a fraud. Either way, it is wrong. It's illegal. It's unconstitutional. In my opinion, it's grounds for treason because you are taking away my liberty and my freedom because that is what my vote stands for. You defrauded me of my choice of president who won, who is doing better for this country than any president in the last 40 to 50 years. And yet you're going to tell me that it's okay for them to pay these people in order to no, 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 no. It does not work that way. Okay, let's talk about blooming Mike Pence right here, guys, because the next statement we have from President Trump is all about the Mikey Mike. Now, okay, I'll admit, guys, uh, supposedly this photo has been debunked. Okay, suppose I never saw Mike Pence at a gay club in the 1980s dressed like that, right? Okay, (laughs) maybe, maybe this is the one right here. Oh, no, maybe that's not the right one for Mike Pence either. (laughs) He's trying to kill President Trump. Or maybe it is the right one. I don't know. We'll settle on this one, guys. Constipated, crying Mike Pence. Okay. All right. Okay. The next... Are we satisfied? I'm satisfied with this one. Are you guys satisfied with this picture of Mike Pence? I am. Okay. So... Let's see. What did President Trump have to say about Michael Pence? And one of his most recent statements actually came from yesterday. It's not as recent as if within the 24 hours of this uh, of the shoreline of today. Uh, but this is what President Trump had to say. 
and we're we're gonna keep the crying Mike Pence on. I'm gonna expand that for you guys. Uh, if the Vice President Mike Pence, Pedo Pence, had absolutely no right to change the presidential election results in the Senate, despite fraud and many other irregularities. How come the Democrats and rhino Republicans like wacky Susan Collins are desperately trying to pass legislation that will not allow the vice president to change the results of the election? Actually, what they are saying is that Mike Pence did have the right to change the results the outcome, and they now want to take that right away. Unfortunately, he did not exercise that power. He could have overturned the election. Well, ladies and gentlemen, how does that make you feel? Ladies and gentlemen of the audience, how does that make you feel? Because... We have sat here since January 6th, 2021, wondering what the hell happened. Wondering why didn't Mike Pence stop the Electoral College vote from going through? Never mind the false flag and the shenanigans that that was actually there as a provision for all of the rhino snakes to uh, say, oh, well, I was going to vote against the Electoral College being signed, but since since November 6th, I mean, since January 6th happened, since there was a riot, since Trump's followers couldn't control themselves and keep it in their pants, we're going to go ahead and go against the Constitution. We're going to go ahead and change our entire opinion on whether or not the Electoral College should be approved because the people of America are clearly not happy with that decision. Oh, how convenient was this entire false flag riot at the Capitol in January 6th to allow people like Marsha Blackburn to go ahead and change her mind, to allow people like Mitch McConnell to go ahead and change his mind and not sign off to have the decertification uh, of the election happen. Like, it was very convenient, guys. It happened for a reason. There are no such things as coincidences. But let me tell you what... If they were really true about what they said, they would have looked at this riot by the American people as a clear sign that we were willing to risk anything, including jail time, in order to let our uh, representative electors know that we do not agree with them selling out our country in an unconstitutional move that was clearly proven through the fraud and the theft of the 2020 presidential elections. But no, they used it as an excuse, okay? And then we, the people of this United States of America, sat here and we listened to every single fop, every single liar, 
every single person who was a traitor to this nation sit back and say, oh, there's no such thing as a provision for uh, Mike Pence as the vice president to put a halt to the signing of these electors. There's no such thing in the Constitution as a vice president being able to say, no, we cannot authorize this to happen right now. We sat here in our cognitive dissonance, because trust me, I knew in my heart and soul that that man, Mike Pence, Pedo Pence, could have stopped that electoral confirmation on January 6th, okay? And then what happens after January 6th? Everybody and their mother's like, that's not true. It's not constitutional. There is no provision in the Constitution. It can't happen. It's not real. And so I got cognitive dissonance. And I was like, okay, is this real or not? Like, what's going on here? Like, apparently, everyone and their mother's telling me that this isn't true, Okay. Okay, so we had our own fair share of cognitive dissonance after that. At least I did, okay? And now, if you read the face of constipated Mike Pence, he's like, ah, shit, they figured it out. Because <coughs> they're paying attention to the way that legislation moves, and they're paying attention to the moves that the legislators are making. And what do we have here now? We have little Susan Collins of Bangor, Maine. All right, Susan Collins, who voted to impeach Trump. Susan Collins, who has never been a true Republican in history. She's like, she's right up there with Boehner. She's right up there with McCain. She's right, is she right up there with McConnell? I don't know. Because there are some alternate universes that say that Mike Pence did not sign on to that uh, uh, decertification because it had to be this way. They're like, Mike Pence never raped children. Mike Pence was never a pedophile. He did his duty to ensure that we could show you, not tell you, because you stubborn-headed Americans have to be shown you can't be told. And they've said the same thing about Mitch McConnell. So my jury is out on that notion. But we know that Susan Collins has never been for America. Connie Ketchup says, kind of makes me think the Canada thing is a huge distraction and probably some innocent victims in it. Well, I don't know, Connie Ketchup. Is uh, Canada a huge distraction for the Sea Report? Or are you talking about other people? Because we're not talking about Canada. Uh, we don't need to talk. I mean, ca- Canada's great. You know, uh, uh, all the other European countries that are standing up great. But we're concerned about America here. Which is why we were talking about Ukraine and Russia, because that concerns America. Okay, anyways, I love you, Connie. Thank you for pointing that out. But no, yeah, it, it could be. Canada could be a total distraction, but I don't, I don't think it is, even though I'm getting distracted right now, only because uh, Trudeau ran away. <laughs> yeah, it could absolutely be a distraction from ballot harvesting. Let me put that on the screen. Connie Ketchup says, no, I know it could be a distraction from ballot harvesting. And you know what? It very well could be. Right now, you're going to see so many distractions coming up right now because we're getting to the root, to the heart of this uh, fraud that happened. They don't want you to talk about that. They want you to talk about Ukraine and Russia. They want you to talk about Canada. They want you to talk about Boris Johnson. 
because anything else that is happening within these United States of America is absolutely relevant to bringing down these assholes that have been trying to take over this country for decades, if not centuries, in order to take down the world and make every single free, independent, living human being subject to their will. I don't care if it's because they have like, I don't know, galaxies of people living inside the earth or some agreement with some stupid federation in outer space to make us subhuman so they can kind of like take over us. I don't care. We are human. We are here on the surface, on this planet, living our life. We are free moral agents. We have the rights that are bestowed to us upon our God and we are going to Carry on in that manner. I don't care if you're in the in the ground subhuman. I don't care if you're in a federation outer space. We're not talking about you guys are not important. Okay? They are not important. We're talking about the people here and now that are relevant to our society and our way of living. And that's where it's going to stay. So let's talk a little bit more about this entire thing that Susan Collins is bringing about. Okay, this is so important, guys. Because... They're not expecting us to pay attention. Tend to attention. I told you guys, it's it's like this, ladies and gentlemen. The people in Washington D.C. and all of their handlers still think this is 2008 through 2012. They still think that Shonda Rhimes has some kind of push in this entire thing. They still think that if you're Olivia Newton-John, no, it's Olivia Stone, whatever the hell scandal, Olivia, whatever, they still are looking at people who look at ratings and they look at uh, polls and they look at, uh, you know, Shonda Rhimes and they're like, oh, well, you know, the American people generally forget about subjects within in two months. So, you know, in three or four months, we're good to move ahead, right? They were not depending on us to be awake right now. They were not depending on us to be uh, aware and remembering, like, you know, they're used to the American people, the American public having the memory of, like, uh, a tetsy fly, a fruit fly. Like, it's it's dead in a day, right? Like, they were expecting us to just for totally forget about everything that happened. They didn't think we were going to be awake. They didn't think that the Great Awakening was real. They didn't think that any of this was happening, okay? And they were wrong. And that's why they are falling down on their knees and their panties right now because we are awake and aware and we are not stopping, okay? This train is in motion. It is moving forward and they ha- there's no way they can stop what is coming, okay? They cannot stop what is coming. And right now, this is more evidence of that, ladies and gentlemen. This is more evidence of this because they lied to us. They got me caught up in a tizzy of cognitive dissidence to believe that the vice president really could not stop the electoral vote from happening. And then they're like, oh, well, maybe this Mr. C is not going to be paying attention in a year and a half when we try and change the law that says that they cannot do it. Okay, Susan Collins, you got me, girl. You got me. Okay. You got me back on January 7th, girl. You got me. But I've been paying attention since then. And guess what? A year and change later, 
I'm paying attention to what you have to say, Susan Collins. Susan Collins, the rhino who was never a freaking Republican, who was never a conservative, who never loved anything about America, who was probably totally against anything that this country stood for from the jump, Bangor, Maine, Susan Collins. She was against everything about this country from the jump. She's never been one of us. She's always been a communist. She's always been in disguise, and she's wearing purple to show you that she is totally for the uh, freaking uh, bought-out, sell-out uh, globalists like, like Hillary Clinton. Look at her. Look at her little smirk and shame and pride all at the same time. She can pull it forward. She can pull it forward all at the same time, Susan Collins can. But we know now, and we've always known, if you've been following her, if you've been following her trail, you've always known that Susan Collins was a freaking joke, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this, uh, this is from uh, WMT8 News ABC. Senator Susan Collins leads push for potential election law reform. Collins convened a meeting Wednesday to look at updating some United States election laws. Let's see. Did you get the sauce on this? Here it comes. Here it comes right now, ladies and gentlemen. In case you didn't get the sauce on this, here it comes. Okay. Here is the snake in the bush, Susan Collins. Okay. It says, On the eve of the first anniversary of the January 6th Capitol riot, Maine Republican Senator Susan Collins convened a bipartisan group of fellow senators to advance potential election law reforms. A person familiar with the meeting confirmed to WMTW. The Zoom meeting organized organized by Collins on Wednesday night was described as a wide-ranging discussion of election issues, including modernizing the Electoral Count Act, the 1887 law governing congressional certification of presidential electors, and the White House winner to ensure the will of the voter is protected, so says WMTW. The article continues, President Donald Trump and some of his advisors asserted last year the act gave then-Vice President Mike Pence the power to reject slates of electors resulting from each state's popular vote, which Pence declined to do before the riot. False flag riot. Recently, several Republican senator leaders Senate leaders have described the act as ambiguous and in need of clarification. As first reported by Axios, the Collins-led meeting included Democrats Tim Kaine of Virginia, Hillary Clinton's 2016 running mate, Jean Shaheen of New Hampshire, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, along with... Okay, I have to pause there. I have to pause there because you notice the senators who were involved with Susan Collins during this meeting on January 6th are the same senators who have been the pain in the ass for the Democrats for the last how many months? Just as a point of point. Okay, back to the article. It says, along with Republicans, Mitt, we could have guessed it, Romney of Utah, the 2012 Republican presidential nominee, Roger Wicker of Mississippi, Steve Daines of Montana, 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 and 
None other than Representative Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, the same man who said there was no fraud in the Wisconsin 2020 election that I showed you guys months ago. Maybe he's just a spy. And Tom Tillis of North Carolina. Collins Cinema, Manchin, and Romney were among the bipartisan group of 10 senators who crafted last year's $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure law. Democrat Senate Majority Lead Chuck Schumer is leading an effort to pass a broad voting rights bill that has yet to secure any Republican votes in the evenly split 50-50 Senate. Maine Independent Senator Angus King is working with Schumer and other Democrats on that bill and has been outspoken on the need for voting rights reform. Okay, so very interesting article here, guys, I would think. Very interesting article. Now, it's most interesting when we get back to the fact that, again, People were reporting that uh, President Trump and Mike Pence had no grounds to stand upon when it came to uh, this entire uh, vice president holding back any of these uh, uh, electoral votes. Okay, even we even had NBC News had reported the day before the January 6th false flag riots uh, that uh, the vice president did not have the power to do that. Okay, that they could not do it. And then we have this situation happening now up in Maine. Now, you, you want to hear it from the whore's mouth? Well we'll, well, well, we'll play it to you guys from the whore's mouth. So let's go ahead and get uh, Senator Susan Collins up here on this the GER. We ain't ready for you yet, GER. Hold on. Okay. Let me, uh, let me get this ready for you guys. Let me, is this the, oh, here we go. All right, guys. Here's Senator Susan Collins, everyone's favorite. And let's bring in Republican Senator Susan Collins now. Senator Collins, thank you for joining us this morning. You just heard uh, Senator Durbin talk about his timeline for the Supreme Court pit talk that he's consulted with you. Are you open to supporting who the president picks? George, I would welcome the appointment of a black female to the court. I believe that diversity benefits the Supreme Court, but the way that the president has handled this nomination has been clumsy at best. It adds to the further perception that the court is a political institution like Congress when it is not supposed to be. So I certainly am open to whomever he decides uh, to nominate my job as a senator is to evaluate the qualifications of that person under the advice and consent role. You say that it's clumsy, but isn't it, as Senator Durbin pointed out, isn't it exactly what President Reagan did when he said he would appoint a woman to the Supreme Court? Isn't it exactly what President Trump did when he said he would appoint a woman to replace Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Actually, it isn't exactly the same. I've looked at uh, what was done in both uh, cases. And what President Biden did was, as a candidate, make this pledge. And that helped politicize the entire nomination process. Uh, what President Reagan said is, as one of his Supreme Court justices, he would like to appoint a woman, and he appointed a highly qualified one in Sandra Day O'Connor. 
Isn't this process politicized no matter what you do? I mean, look at what happened after the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Justice Barrett pushed through in record time. One of the reasons I, I suppose you voted against her. Actually, the reason I voted against uh, uh, Amy Comey Barrett was that her nomination and the vacancy occurred too close to the election, the presidential election. And Republicans just in the Obama administration had established a precedent that we were not going to confirm someone. It was Merrick Garland in that case in an election year. I did not agree with that decision, but once that precedent was established and given how close uh, the death of uh, the Supreme Court justice was to when the appointment was made of Justice Barrett, I felt that it was, should have been up to the next president uh, to make the decision. Uh, okay, we're going to leave that there because uh, the rest of that uh, conversation is all about, uh, you know, this whole appointment of, uh, of black women to the Supreme Court. Um, but yeah, uh, good question there, Slick Shoe. I think it is a lack of adrenochrome, personally speaking. But uh, that's what she had to say about it, you know? Basically, that's what she had to say about it, Miss Susan Collins there. That's the woman from Bangor, Maine, in the flesh, in case you've never seen her before. Uh, but uh, there was a lot other, there's a, there's a lot more coming out. Uh, we had what, uh, this article here, Susan Collins leading new bi bipartisan voting reform. So... Uh, let's take a look at this. Uh, hey, I did not give you a moment yet, Chubby. Uh, this news report is going to talk to you a little bit more about the efforts that they are making. Indeed, it's expanded. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, Connie Ketchup brings up uh, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Oh, Ron Johnson. Yeah, I was disappointed too. Now, that I mean, you know, I mean, I could... <sighs> Okay, I could say, I could step back and say, okay, they're having a hard time proving fraud in Wisconsin. No one is standing up for fraud. They're having to take other avenues. Indeed, that's how they came to the resolution that they came to when Senator, I mean, uh, Representative Rantham put down his, uh, put down his resolution, they couldn't go by the means of fraud. They had to pull out all of these like different areas that proved there could have been fraud, or at least that we couldn't take confidence in their vote. But I mean, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, as we played here on the C Report, came out in a. Uh, it was one of those uh, gotcha videos. It was a total undercover video where you had an you had an SJW. Granted, it was an SJW. Do you think that Senator Ron Johnson was just appealing to his audience? Or do you think he was being honest is my question. And they asked him about election fraud in Wisconsin. He said, look, there was no, there's no election fraud in Wisconsin. You can't prove it. It didn't happen. Okay. So I appreciate the man for fighting for, uh, you know, uh, uh, for uh, uh, anti-COVID measures. I appreciate the man for presenting a panel. But you know what? We had a loser here in Texas. I don't remember the Chip Roy, who's like, we are not going to wear masks, blah, 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 blah. There's going to be no mandates, blah, 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 blah. And then Chip Roy turns around and says that he believes that the feds, he believes that Washington, D.C., he believes that Capitol Hill should be in charge of Texas elections. 
well, screw you, Chip Roy. I don't follow that that language, okay? So you can tell me that uh, you're going to fight for my rights to not be mandated. Well, guess what, Chip Roy? I'm going to fight for my own rights to not be mandated uh, to wear uh, to have a vaccine or to wear a mask. I'm going to do that for myself. But you're not going to go up there and uh, put this whole subterfuge up of standing up for my rights and then you're going to take away my sacred right to vote, which is my liberty and my freedom. Chip Roy, those are your words, buddy. And I do not stand behind you at all. Zero percent. That's all I got to say about that. So uh, let's take a look at this uh, little um, newscast here that's about uh, Susan Collins in Maine and everything that she's trying to do in that regard. Here we go. Has twice convened a growing group of bipartisan senators to update the Electoral Count Act, an 1887 law that governs how the presidential vote is certified. But the process could lead to other reforms. That truly is. Collins told me her working group has grown from eight to 16 senators of both parties, topping their agenda, clarifying Congress's and the vice president's roles in certifying an election. We need to make very clear that the vice president's role is just ministerial, that he has no power or she has no power to overturn the votes that are submitted by the states. Her group also wants to require more than one House and Senate member to challenge a state's electoral votes. That should be increased substantially. We've not yet settled on what the number should be. Beyond the electoral count, Collins envisions reauthorizing the Election Assistance Commission, which helps states acquire and secure voting equipment, requiring voting machines be made in America and have a paper trail for post-election audits, offering more grants to recruit and train poll workers and making it a crime to threaten election officials. Collins defended the Republicans having blocked the sweeping Democratic voting rights bills and showed me how they went way beyond the Voting Rights Act she voted to reauthorize in 2006. As you can see, it is five pages long. It passed unanimously and it was completely bipartisan. The voting bills that we considered last week 735 pages. Collins expects the bipartisan group to begin writing legislation when it convenes in person for the first time in Washington next week. In Bangor, Phil Hirschkorn, WMTW News. All right, isn't that crazy, guys? So in the time, now, Susan Collins introduced this on January 6th of 2022. So since then, the woman has managed to more than double the amount of participation in this entire uh, effort for them to uh, to um, stop the vice president from being able to change the vote. Do you, I mean, we all get it, guys. It pretty much resonates at this point. We were told that the vice president could not stop the electoral college vote from going through. And now they are trying to change the law so that the vice president <coughs> cannot stop the electoral college count from going through. So they lied to us. They could, they could have done it the entire time. We've been taken 100%, ladies and gentlemen. So let's just review this real quick so we can, we can put it in, in paper that we totally understand exactly what they are talking about. What a strangely looking type of, uh, okay. 
It says here, working a working group that has 16 senators from both parties. Okay. Uh, and let me expand that for you guys. It says, uh, after standing with her party to block sweeping Democrat voting rights legislation, Maine Republican Senator Trader Rhino Susan Collins is leading an effort to craft a bipartisan election reform bill that can pass the U.S. Senate. Collins has twice convened a growing group of senators over Zoom to update the Electoral Count Act of an 1887 law that governs how the presidential vote is certified, but in an interview Tuesday, Collins described how the process could lead to other reforms. Collins said her working group has grown from 8 to 16 senators, doubled from both parties. Topping their agenda is clarifying the roles of Congress and the vice president in certifying an election which went haywire on January 6, 2021, as protesters of former president, their words not mine, Donald Trump's defeat by president, their words not mine, Joe Biden, stormed the Capitol, some chanting, hang Mike Pence. Can I just say, as someone who was on the grounds there that day, that that entire, um, um, that entire hanging thing was, it was, it was, it was, artwork ladies and gentlemen it even said do not get on the gallows this is a piece of art it is uh it is uh expressive art anyways okay i'm just saying okay <laughs> uh it goes on to say we need to make very clear that the vice president's role is just ministerial that he has no power she has no power to overturn the votes that are submitted by the states. That statement alone lets us know that we were rickrolled, that we were bamboozled, that I was, uh, you know, uh, totally uh, um, uh, uh, cognitive dissonanced because they told us that that was not the case, that the, the vice president could not do that. And now they are caught up in a lie, ladies and gentlemen. Now they are caught up on a total lie. Collins was among the legislators who hid in a secure location in the Capitol until police restored order and the Electoral College certification resumed. Collins said the ambiguities in this law gave rise to pressure on the vice president. Fortunately, Vice President Pence followed the 12th Amendment and realized what his role was and he refused to be pressured to halt or overturn the count. But what if he had a vice president who wasn't as ethical and bound by his constitutional duty? Bull! Her group also wants to require more than one House and Senate member to challenge a state's electoral votes in the future. Collins said that should be an increasingly substantially. We have not settled. Okay, I'm just making fun of her. We have not settled on what the number should be. Beyond the electoral college count, Collins revealed a handful of other reforms are under discussion. Reauthorizing the Election Assistance Commission, which helps states acquire and secure voting equipment, requiring voting machines to be made in America and have a paper trail for post-election audits, offering more federal grants to recruit and train people. Look at offering more federal grants. She's like, we can't get the Zuckerbucks anymore, so we need more federal grants. And making it a crime to threaten election officials. 
Collins said there is more than we can and should do. The Republicans senators in her group include Mitt Romney of Utah, um, Rob Portman of Ohio, with uh, Collins of the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, Lisa Murkowski, oh, we could have guessed that one, Shelley Moore Capito, oh, we could have guessed that one, Tom Tillis, Ben Sassy, Todd Young, we could have guessed any of these buttholes, and Roger Wicker. The Democrats include the pair who declined to roll back the filibuster to advance the voting rights rules, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. Okay, so do you think that Joe Manchin and Sinema have been playing us, ladies and gentlemen? Because check that out, guys. They're all for electoral college vice president reform, but they're going to play us? I don't know, guys. I guess you can never really trust a Democrat. Of course, we have Mark Warner, Chris Coons, Chris Murphy, Ben Cardin, all of them there, guys, to uh, try and get that measurement pushed through. Whoopsie, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm trying to do this. Hello. Okay, and that is what they're talking about. Let me see what I got next for you guys. Oh, it looks like we got another statement from President Trump. We got another statement from President Trump. Okay, so let's go ahead. You guys, would you let me, before you carry on with your news report. So what do you guys think about that, guys? We have clear on full evidence from the enemy themselves saying that Mike Pence had the ability to do what he should have done on that day that is forever known as the false flag riots at the Capitol on January 6th. He had the full right to do it, ladies and gentlemen. He had the full right to do it. And now they're admitting it in their own legislation. Isn't that interesting, y'all? Very interesting. So uh, keep that in mind, guys. And maybe write to your senators if I named any of them. Of course, if they're Democrats, there's no hope. But the uh, switchboard is right above my head. Ladies and gentlemen, the switchboard is right above my head. All right, guys, we're going to revisit President Trump's statement from uh, the 28th. We read this on Friday. And this has to do with Pennsylvania. And since we're doing a hard thrust into election integrity and election fraud today, we're going to revisit this statement because we've got some stories to share with you guys about Pennsylvania. Because like I'm saying, like it seems like Pennsylvania could absolutely decertify next uh, before Georgia. The Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is on it, ladies and gentlemen, and they're ready to roll. Let's check it out. All right, that statement says, as we may recall, ladies and gentlemen, President Trump says, uh, big news out of Pennsylvania. The practice of no excuse mail-in ballots put in place by Democrats uh, right before the stolen election. Can I, uh, that expands, right? Uh, right before the stolen election, has been ruled unconstitutional by the Pennsylvania Commonwealth Court. Here is the key question. If widespread mail-in balloting and unconstitutional is unconstitutional in Pennsylvania now, how could mail-in balloting have been constitutional in the rigged 2020 presidential election then? We all know the answer. It wasn't. All American patriots are thanking the Commonwealth Court of Pennsylvania for having the courage to do the right thing. 
Well, as I sayeth, ladies and gentlemen, it appears that the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania very well might be able to uh, decertify before Georgia. So Wisconsin, Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, or maybe Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia. But it's probably going to be Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, or Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona. I guarantee it. Right now, I put Georgia in the fourth place when we're talking about runner-ups for this kind of thing. Again, this is unprecedented, this is uncommon, this is unknown, and that's why I can't really hedge my bets. But let's see what this news report has to say in that regard. Mail-in voting is no more for now. Act 77 is ruled unconstitutional by the Pennsylvania Commonwealth Court. Act 77, the Pennsylvania law, which in 2019 opened the door for anyone to vote by mail, was struck down Friday morning by the Pennsylvania Commonwealth Court. Fox 43's Matt Maisel explains why and what this means for voting in the future. Pennsylvania's Commonwealth Court says for now, no excuse mail-in voting is no more. The majority opinion by President Judge Mary Hannah Levitt said changes to voting must be done through a constitutional amendment, one which must be presented to the people and adopted into law before mail-in voting can take place. The ruling declares Act 77 of 2019 unconstitutional. We're currently reviewing the opinion to understand its full scope, uh, and we'll certainly wait for this judicial process to play out before making any final legislative decisions. That's because the Pennsylvania Department of State says it'll appeal to the state Supreme Court. The Democratic majority bench could then issue what's called a stay, which would keep Act 77 in place until its ruling. You know, we're going to continue to monitor. Uh, I don't think anybody expects this process to be over entirely today. Friday's decision ruled in favor of Bradford County Republican Commissioner Doug McClinko, though it was Republicans who almost unanimously approved of Act 77 in 2019. 132 of the 134 Republicans in the legislature at the time voted for it. It was a compromise with Governor Wolf and Democrats to eliminate straight ticket voting. However, COVID-19 changed everything. More than 2.6 million Pennsylvanians used vote by mail in the 2020 election, and two out of three were registered Democrats. When Joe Biden won the election, calls to repeal Act 77 started. At the time it passed, there were no issues with regard to the constitutionality of the measure. It wasn't until many years later that we now find ourselves in a situation where folks are uh, raising claims along those lines. Governor Wolf said in a statement an appeal would come immediately. He also accused Republicans of wanting to, quote, strip away mail-in voting in the service of Donald Trump's big lie. The former president released his own statement celebrating the Commonwealth Court's decision. Matt Maisel, Fox 43 News. So, okay, so we had a big kind of thing. Oh, you know what I just did? We had a big kind of thing coming out of, uh, of um, you know, uh, Pennsylvania. This, that is big, guys. It is very much indeed big. So, we, so that's what I'm saying. They could, they could quite possibly, they could quite possibly decertify in uh, Arizona. I mean, sorry, in Pennsylvania next. And uh, so they have, I know, I know, Daddy Steve Bannon. You want to talk, but we have we have them coming up saying that all of this mail-in balloting is nonsense and it never should have been done and it's unconstitutional. And now the question becomes: Then could they uh, have counted anything else? It's like it's like HR one and HR four, guys. 
where they're basically trying to legalize every method that they used to steal the 2020 election from these United States of America and these citizens of this country and steal our freedom. You know, that's what they're trying to do between H.R. 1 and H.R. 4. They tried to stick it into a NASA bill and they tried to deceive us all. They failed. They will always fail because this is our freedom that we're talking about, our literal freedom. Now, Pennsylvania has decided that uh, they follow that lead. They have totally ruled on it. Okay, now... I'm going to play this clip from Daddy Bannon's war room, and he's talking to the lawyer that won this case. And we'll expand into that just a little bit. We're almost done with tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. We got maybe about to one more story after this, and we'll call it a wrap. Thank you for joining us at the Sea Report. Uh, we are broadcasting live 100% at uh, Clout Hub and Twitch and a couple of other places. So I appreciate y'all's guys' attendance here with us tonight. And uh, let's get this rolling, guys, because we're almost done. We're in the home stretch. We're in the home stretch for freedom, liberty, and taking our country back. And screw those people who stole our elections in 2020. They are getting their comeuppance. It's coming back in their face like the muffins that they don't want. Here we go, guys. But I digress. We're going to get back to NATO, hopefully, before the end of the show. I got to go now. We've got so much explosive news coming out of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I want to go to the great lawyer, Wally Zimalong, who is the lead counsel on this blockbuster decision. Wally, tell us what happened today at the Commonwealth Court to basically say unconstitutional mail-in ballots. I think they're 2.6 million of the 6.9. Almost 40% of the votes were these mail-in ballots, ladies and gentlemen. There's no way this thing could be certified. Wally, walk us through how you got this amazing decision today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Steve. It's an absolutely monumental decision for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. It's a monumental decision for the Pennsylvania Constitution, the rule of law and election integrity. So uh, there was a similar challenge uh, to the constitutionality of Act 77. Act 77 was the legislation that brought no excuse mail-in voting to Pennsylvania in 2019. And the challenge, unfortunately, asked for a uh, extraordinary relief, which was uh, to throw out all mailed ballots uh, that were going to, to be counted or had been counted in the 2020 election. The case made its way up to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. And the Pennsylvania Supreme Court rejected the challenge, but it rejected the challenge on what could be considered a technicality. Uh, it just said that the, the plaintiffs in the case waited too long. But it never really addressed the merits, which were very good merits, which was whether or not uh, no excuse mailed in voting was constitutional. And uh, in the summer of 2020, I uh, brought a case on behalf of a uh, uh, election official that challenged the constitutionality of Act 77 and asked the court to get to the merits of it because we believe that was left unresolved. And we followed it well in advance of any election. And we made very clear the uh, relief that we were seeking was to have it declared unconstitutional. We weren't looking to the past. We weren't looking to undo the results of any other election. We were just trying to make sure that elections going forward in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania were done according to the Pennsylvania Constitution. So that matter was briefed and argued. The Pennsylvania Democratic Party got involved. The Democratic National Committee not, not got involved. They parachuted all kind of fancy lawyers into the Commonwealth. 
We argued the case twice before the Commonwealth Court of Pennsylvania, which is the intermediate uh, appellate court in Pennsylvania, uh, one uh, rung below the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. And finally, today, we got an opinion uh, in our favor from the court that agreed whole cloth with what we had presented to the court. All our arguments were accepted. And uh, it, it, it reiterated that the law of Pennsylvania in the, in the Constitution is that you cannot have no excuse mail-in voting. This has been the law for at least 150 years, and it was reiterated by the court today. So we're very, very pleased with the result. Wally, just please hang on. We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to come back with the lead counsel on this monumental blockbuster. Even CNN is covering it. Lee, one of the top stories on CNN on their homepage. And uh, from uh, Shapiro, the attorney general, to the governor, all of Pennsylvania, the Democrats, uh, Mark Elias, uh, and little Jamie Raskin, Benny Thompson in their grill. Unconstitutional. 2.6 million ballots in the 2020 election. Short commercial break. We'll be I'm back, back uh, with, uh, with the lead counsel in a moment. The CCP. I'm sorry, it's just Daddy Bannon and his CCP. It's a great song, but, uh, you know, um, uh, maybe I should just let him play his commercials. I mean, anyways, okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, let's go back to Wally Zimalong, the lead counsel on the, you know, Wally, it's a little off-putting. There's not a lot of great attorneys I know named Wally, but that's a topic for a different day. You sound like a, sur- you sound like a surfer. You sound like a surfer, but that's... <laughs> So, Wally, how did you how did you come up with this? How did you come up and get engaged in this, involved in this? This is a monumental victory for MAGA and for the three November movement. How did you get engaged in this? Well, following the 2020 election, it, it, the theory was actually brought to my attention and I was asked to get involved with the case. And unfortunately, I just didn't have the bandwidth to handle it at the time. I was handling a number of different uh, post-2020 election challenges. And then in, in the March or April of the following year, I was giving a what's called a continuing legal education course for a bunch of Republican lawyers, and I was sharing my theories uh, and about the, the unresolved issue of mailed voting in Pennsylvania. And I sort of just rhetorically said it would be something if, if this case was brought uh, to the Commonwealth Court and allowed to matriculate through the Pennsylvania court system. And from there, it was a few weeks later, someone called me up and they said, well, how about, uh, would you be interested in pursuing that challenge on my behalf? And I said, okay, uh, that, that would be interesting. And, and from there, the case came together uh, and finally got to the point where in um, the summer of, of 2021, we, we filed the, the, the case. And we, again, we wanted to file the case uh, well in advance of the, uh, the 2020, um, we actually had you know, a 2020 local and municipal election in Pennsylvania. We filed it in, in advance of that. We were hoping to get a ruling in sufficient enough advance of that election so that mail ballots couldn't be used there. Um, and the Commonwealth Court said, no, we're going we're gonna to let this election go forward with the mail ballots uh, because of you know, how close we are to the election. But the ruling is going uh, to uh, apply to any elections going forward. And that's what the cool rule, court ruled. And uh, you know, I know the, the, the Commonwealth has immediately appealed this is up with the Pennsylvania Supreme Court now. It does have the effect of an automatic stay of it. But still, it's, it, we have finally a court, an entire court in Pennsylvania. So it's not just like there's some state court judge out there or one judge in some county. 
We have the entire Commonwealth Court, Court of Pennsylvania agreeing with the decision, upholding the rule of law, upholding the Pennsylvania Constitution, and, and not getting cowed to public opinion and public pressure. It was really, really refreshing to see, especially after what we went through the last year, year and a half. I'm going to get into the Boris in this in a second, but this is a 50-page opinion or 50-page document, and it's tightly written. So Commonwealth Court, for our, for our national audience, this is the appeals court in the state, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So this is big league. This is, like you said, this is not some county judge. This is the real deal. Uh, what do you anticipate? Uh, how quickly is this going to get resolved? Because this is monumental. I would I would anticipate the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court is going to give us a briefing schedule. Our briefs will be submitted to, over the next couple months. I don't think we're going to get briefs that are going to be due next week or the following week. Uh, I do think the courts, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court clearly is going to w- want to resolve this before our May uh, 2022 primary, uh, especially how, it's, how important it's going to be. It's going to be important for both Republicans and Democrats. I mean, Democrats, there's a gubernatorial election in 2022 in Pennsylvania. The Democrats have, have a primary against two, two very well-funded candidates, and there's a bunch of really, really well-qualified uh, Republican candidates. And then we have... Uh, uh, an open Senate seat that we absolutely critically must keep in Pennsylvania. And there's uh, a bunch of qualified and exceptional candidates on the, the Republican side there. And um, there's a, a bunch of challengers, very progressive challengers uh, in the Democratic primary. And mail ballots uh, are going to determine the results of all of those races. And ultimately, because, you know, talking about a Senate race could, could determine the future of the country and the future of the United States Senate. And, um, you know, several important things, especially with two years remaining on Joe Biden's term, hang in the balance here. You know, the, the, the balance of the Senate could control how this country goes, what kind of judges get uh, confirmed, uh, whether or not there's another Supreme Court vacancy. I, I don't think I, I need to list on and on and on for your viewers uh, how important uh, taking back the House and taking back the Senate is. And, and also just making sure we hold these gubernatorial uh, seats as well. We saw in the pandemic how much power these governors have. In some ways, they have more power o- over us than our elected officials in Washington. Wally, how do people uh, follow you on social media? Or how they? How do they? Do you have a website? How do people find out more about you? Because you're about to become a national figure instantaneously. Yeah, my my uh, Twitter handle is easy to follow. It's at Wally W A L L Y. Z-I-M-O-L-O-N-G. And my website is just zimalonglaw.com. Or the real easy way to find me is just republican.law. Republican.law will also get you to my website. So anyone needs anything, wants to reach out or interact, we, we welcome it. Well, there you go. Wally Zimalong.law. No, it's a republican.law. But yeah, well, I mean, hey, so that's... um. That's an earful right there, ladies and gentlemen. That's a mouthful, an earful, and a soulful uh, about where Pennsylvania is going. Do you see why I say Pennsylvania could be the first official to decertify and uh, could be the next official to decertify? It's, it's very quite possible. They're, 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 in, a, they're in an area that uh, we didn't see coming. And that, that is why we go back to this whole fact that Georgia could decertify and then they can do their election audit. Pennsylvania can decertify and then they can do their election audit. Wisconsin has tried to do four or five election audits and they never passed. So they should just decertify and then they can do their full forensic audit. 
of the elections, you know. That way we can we can figure out every single bell and whistle, every single trigger mark, every single little uh you know gadget or every crevice that they try to do um a theft or fraud. And that's why we need to actually audit all the elections so we can discover the different the 20 or 30 different ways that they utilize to steal elections, which they have, you know. Uh, and uh, it doesn't end with it does not end with the uh, highly contested five or six states, Pennsylvania, you know, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, you know, and uh, uh, Arizona and Nevada. You know, it goes into Minnesota, New Hampshire, Washington, Texas. You know, all of these states have election fraud that are measurable that we know about. It's all the other states that we haven't dug into. You know, we haven't dug into California, even though we know fraud happened in California, even though we have valid stories about how it happened in California. But no one has dug into it. I would call on the candidate for uh, Secretary of State to just jump into that as soon as she could. Her time's running short. Her time's running short. But uh, that would most definitely be it. So let's let's jump into this one article, and then we we're almost done, guys. We got one more brief. So we're gonna just do a quick update on Arizona after this. This is to put a ring around what we just talked about with uh, Daddy Bannon and uh, Wally Zipalong, uh, the attorney over there. Uh, let's see what this guy say. This is from uh, the Gateway Pundit. Last week's court ruling in Pennsylvania means 40% of the 2020 ballots unconstitutional. Without these ballots, President Trump crushed Biden by a 2 to 1 ratio in the state, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for your winner, 2020 President Trump. Attorney Wally Zimalong, not Zipalong, in Pennsylvania won a historic case last week in the Commonwealth Court. The justices agreed that the state's constitution does not provide for no excuse mail-in balloting. It says here, uh, Wally Zimalong filed a suit in the state in which the court last week agreed that the law of Pennsylvania does not allow no excuse mail-in balloting. The court ruling said the attempt to allow such mail-in balloting was invalid from the start meaning before the 2020 election. Attorney Wally Zimalong won the case last week where the appeals court in Pennsylvania ruled that no excuse mail-in ballots, uh, mail-in absentee ballots were not provided for in Pennsylvania's constitution. We wrote about the fraud, that is the Gateway Pundit, wrote about the fraud in the 2020 election in Pennsylvania on November 11th, 2020. They said, according to Pennsylvania's election returns website on election day, President Trump won nearly two thirds of all votes cast in the state. The president won 2.7 million votes compared to Biden's 1.4 million votes. The president's votes almost doubled illegitimate Joe Biden's. But what happened next was shocking. Pennsylvania began counting ballots by mail. There was no reporting on how many votes were outstanding at the end of election night. There was no reporting ever that we are aware of where the state announced how many votes were left to count after the election. They just kept 
counting, just like Chavez's Venezuela, just like you see in communist third world countries. The state also allowed votes to come in for three more days after the election. Of course, these were all mail-in ballots. We do not know how many mail-in votes came in during these three days. The Republicans were not allowed to observe the counting of these votes, even though a court order was in place demanding that the state do so. These actions go against Pennsylvania's constitution, which state that the voting process is to be determined by the legislature. The change in ruling was implemented by the executive and judicial branches, probably not to mention some commissioners and some city, uh, city or commonwealth city uh, council people. This is an this is an important issue with the Trump campaign and their and their complaints against the state as they try to undo the injustice in Pennsylvania. Today, November 11, 2020, this is one of, this is from the uh, this is from the Gateway Pundit's article back then. The state is reporting more than 2.5 mail-in ballots. This number was never seen before in this state as the mail-in ballots were counted. The state began cutting into the president's 675,000 vote lead, and eventually they gave the election to Biden. Biden won 2 million of the 2.5 million mail-in ballots. Can you imagine that, guys? That that means they had to fake 675,000 votes plus? That's where... The truth of this election comes out, guys, because President Trump won in such a landslide that not only did he have the Amish coming out of the hills in Pennsylvania. Trust me, guys, when you see the Amish coming out of the hills to vote, something's up. okay? but so many people turned out to vote for President Trump. That it got cartoonish and obnoxious beyond control. And that's wherein they are getting busted out the seams because it is so ridiculous. The measures they became so sloppy. They became so uh, unregulated. They, they have like uh, duplicates and duplicate batches. They lied and they used their own bought out, paid out, shill, treasonous representatives to go ahead and pass mandates and pass, uh, you know, laws of emergency that it wasn't not. No, 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 no. That's not how it works in America, honey. It don't work like that. Okay. So they did all of that jazz that amounts to nothing. And uh, well, now they're going to have their day for it. And we're going to make sure that comes. How could the president receive only one-fifth of the mail-in ballots after crushing Biden in in-person voting on election day? The answer is this was basically impossible, and here's why, says the Gateway Pundit. When we looked at these statistics and we identified a pattern that is virtually mathematically impossible, the president won two-thirds of the election day vote, but with the basic exception of Philadelphia, the president won around 80% of the vote in each county in the state. 
Philadelphia is so large that it offsets these numbers down to around 65% of the state's votes on election day. What happened with the mail-in votes is almost statistically impossible. In almost every county throughout the state, the president was awarded a percent of votes, 40% less than the percent the president won on election day. If Trump won a county by 80% of the vote on election day, he won 40% of the mail-in vote for a county. If the president won 60% of the vote on election day, he won 20% of the mail-in vote in another county. This pattern occurred in almost every county with the only noticeable exception being of Philadelphia, where the president earned only 30% of the vote on election day. So everyone has this, uh, everyone has this counted for guys. Like, uh, we've been, we've been, we have been following the, the trail and we have been, uh, we've been keeping track of our numbers. Ladies and gentlemen, we know what we're talking about. It's not refutable by any means other than lying and fraud. So, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, allow us to get to tonight's final story on this thrust of election integrity, to be frank. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about Arizona. They've got a few things going on over there in Arizona that are worth talking about since we're talking about election integrity and we're talking about making sure that our vote counts uh, 2020 and forward and it is secure. We had an announcement from uh, Lady Wendy Rogers, who is the senator of the state of Arizona in some parts. And uh, she just wanted to reassure us that uh, when we're talking about what's left of this audit, uh, this is probably why, if you were to think about the mechanics and the proper procedures about why A.G. Brnovich has been a hibernating bear and has done nothing that it seems in regards to the 2020 election in Arizona, it's probably because the man is following the dots and the eyes of uh, his uh, contract as well. And he can't make a formal ruling without a complete audit. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because apparently he has been calling grand juries and investigations that we don't know about, which is good because he's doing his job if that's what he's doing. But let's think about it. He's waiting for the Splunk logs and the router information and like three or four other pieces of information that have not come to him, which means that the investigation is not complete and he needs that in order to make a full, complete, uh, on-paper assessment of the audit in order so that he can move forward with prosecution. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. So... Lady Senator Wendy Rogers comes out within the last few days saying, Hark, I have information. Let's see what Wendy Rogers had to say. She saith, Special master names computer experts to examine county routers and Splunk logs, which means maybe Brnovich can get this information and do something. It says, Former U.S. Congressman John Shadegg, Serving as the special master in the settlement agreement relating to the subpoenas issued by the Arizona State Senate to Maricopa County, Arizona, is releasing the names of the computer experts who will examine the county's routers and splunk logs. 
As agreed by the parties, the examination of the routers and Splunk logs is for the purpose of answering questions proposed by the Senate related to the November 3rd, 2020 general election during the time between October 7th and November 20th, 2020. The experts will work with the special master to answer the questions. So isn't that, isn't that crazy, guys? Don't did did we not know that they were going to assign a special master for the Splunk logs and the routers back in oh I don't know four or five months ago, and now at this hour of the last day of January they're finally getting these people to do it. The long game, ladies and gentlemen. This has been a test of your integrity and your faith. And God wants to know, do you have the faith to maintain the integrity to continue your fight? And that's just off the top of my head. I'm not speaking for God. Okay, so uh, they named uh, Jane Jin uh, to be the principal cyber cybersecurity threat analyst and Brad E. Rhodes and Andrew Keck. Oh, that bodes well. Keck, 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 keck. Chief Technology Officer. They're going to be looking over the Splunk logs. Uh, let's see what else is up for us here. We got the routing, uh, the routing uh, table and all static routes. A listing of all MAC address for all devices, tabulators, pull books, high pro scanners, ICC adjudication workstations, uh, EMS workstations, and electron election management servicers. So she just gave a whole list here, guys, of everything that are going to be going to complete the listing of the Splunk log indexers, including the MAC address and the IP address, uh, NetFlow data for the voting network and all other networks leading to the gateway routers, Splunk data containing the following data elements at a minimum, NetFlow and Splunk data related to any unauthorized access by Elliot Kerwin, that's Elliot with one T, Kerwin, or his affiliates at the Maricopa County Register Server. For each of the foregoing questions, please limit your answers to the time period beginning on October 7th and ending October 20th. And oh lordy, they got a whole lot more information. What else are you looking at, Wind, uh, Lady Wendy Rogers? Questions from the Arizona Senate uh, to Special Master John Shattuck. Is there any evidence that the routers or managed switchers in the election network or election devices have connected to the public internet? How, if at all, were the uh, routers and managed switchers in the election network secured against unauthorized or third-party access? Do the routers or Splunk logs contain any evidence of data deletion, data purging, data overriding, or other destruction of evidence or obstruction of the audit? In preparing and in support of your answer to each of the foregoing questions, please consider and explaining each of the following supports or undermines your previous answers and further provides copies of each of the following a through Z through A, A, B, B, C, D, D. Listing of all current and archived router configuration files, including the name, date of creation, data of modification, size of the files, and a hash valued of each con uh, configuration file. They are pretty much going in on all of these questions, guys. This is pretty heartening. It's good to know. It's good to know that these people are wanting these things, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen.
Very much so. So we've got a lot to rest assured on here, guys, that, uh, well, I'm sure they will handle this as necessary. It has been an absolute pleasure being with all of you all tonight, ladies and gentlemen, here at the Sea Report. Thank you for tuning in and not tuning out. I know we had a bunch of technical difficulties over at home base, but you know what? These things happen. And uh, either way, I'm very thankful that we had you guys hanging out tonight. Join us tomorrow, why don't you? Or maybe perhaps there will be a time sooner than tomorrow. But we're not going to tell you about that. You'll just have to tune in or tune out. And uh, we appreciate you guys. I really do. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Thank you for hanging in there. And uh, we'll, we'll be back with more news and views regarding today's and tomorrow's and even yesterday's headlines here at the Sea Report. Now, I always like to say, ladies and gentlemen, be safe, be blessed, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. May freedom reign.